Praise God. Well, let's make our confession as we continue on today. Aren't you glad you got the Bible? Huh? Aren't you glad? Books are great. CDs are great. Hearing people preach is great. (laughs) But there's nothing like having the Word, huh? Let's make our confession. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. You know, last week we shared a little bit about what we felt like God was speaking to us. For this year, you know, speaking about really truly giving. You know, we talked about Moses and the staff and God spoke to him and said, What's in your hand? And we talked about last year being a year of living in God's, uh, uh, God's provision and for his manna for us daily, that daily provision from God. And that we went through, you know, Moses had the stick. He threw it down. It became a snake. God said, what's in your hand? The widow, as Elisha came to the widow, she, she was getting ready to prepare what she thought she had was just enough to make it through that day for her and her son. But the, the, the prophet came and said, give to me first a cake. And if you will give to me first, then what you have will never run out. You'll never run dry. And as she began to contemplate that in her head, I'm sure she had to think, like Pastor Pam just said, if I give away my car, what am I going to drive? If I, you know, if we, have that, we have that mentality. She already had it, and she said it. If I give this to you, we're going to die. He said, no, you won't. In, 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 instead of dying, you'll actually have life. And so in our world, we talked about that. We talked about Peter and John at the gate as they came to the man who was crippled looking for alms. They knew what they had. They didn't have silver. They didn't have gold. But such as they had, such as I have, he said, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that as we go through this year, we're going to go through this year giving like probably we've never given before. If we want this year, we've said it every year. You say it all the time. If you want this year to be different than last, you're going to have to change something. Because if you continue to do the same thing that you did last year, you'll have the same results. And we know that really, truly, that, that it is about giving the things. And we're giving church. You all are givers, and, and we pour out our life. We pour out our finances. We, you know, we do what God asks us and what he leads us. But today, I just wanted to, to share with you just a little bit on past that, I suppose, or about how to, maybe. You know, in our life, I think many times, we, we hear a word. We know what God is speaking to us, what he's showing us. But then it's the how-to. It's the practical and about, okay, well, that's great. Sounds wonderful on Sunday morning when we're all sitting here together. But when I leave and I go out those doors, my world is just wild some of you have you know like 47 kids dan and kelly have like 28 kids they have five that's a lot of kids their world i've been there it's 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 interesting man they get yeah you got you got five kids we had two and it was like that's plenty you know one-on-one we can we each get one when you got five you can't even go to a zone i don't even know what you go to when you got five kids you just you just just pray that God takes care of everything and that you get everything taken. But your world, see, doesn't your world feel like it's, it's, it's all moving and things are happening? And, and really, truly, the Bible doesn't say that we're driven. The Bible says that we have an opportunity to drive, that he is our co-pilot or he is our pilot. He's the one really that's leading us and guiding us. But the world, the things that we face, the things that we see, the pressures of this life, they're not the things that drive us. They're not the things that push us. Have you ever been in those situations where you feel pushed and the stress of the situation causes you to do something and then when you look back on it, you realize that it was the wrong decision? It wasn't Holy Spirit-led. It wasn't God. It may have been a a God opportunity for you, but you reacted wrongly because of the pressure and the stress and the things that were on you. In that moment, you didn't want to disappoint somebody. Or in that moment, you you didn't want to make the wrong choice, so you just gathered up all your stuff and ran away and didn't make any choice. Well, that's a bad choice. 
If we allow the pressure and the stress and the things that we face dictate what we do, the choices that we make, then we're going to be in trouble in our life. If we allow the things that we see, the things that we think need to be done, the things that we determine are, are the priorities in our life, if we, if we allow those things to make the difference and to call our shots and to plan our day, then we're going to be in trouble. The Holy Spirit is our guide. It says he will speak to us and he will show us in John sixteen thirteen things to come. The word of God is the lamp unto our feet. And that it's not just something that we sit around and we walk around with the word of God like this, but we have the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us that leads us and guides us in the decisions that we make. And as long as we make this word our priority, as long as we make following after the things that the Holy Spirit is showing us and speaking to us our priority, then in our life we won't be driven. See, you won't feel that pressure, you won't feel that stress. Why? Because you're walking in the will of God. The will of God is the most important thing for us. I think many times we want a different way of life. We want an escape from the whirlwind. We want Calgon to take us away. Okay, it's not a soap, it's not a bathtub, although sometimes that's a little soothing. We can live our life, even in the midst of the whirlwind, in peace. But we have to prioritize what we're doing. We have to prioritize our life. And in our, in our situation, wherever you are, whatever you find, you are the one who prioritizes your life. You are the one who gets to choose what is important for you at that moment and at that time and what isn't. In those moments where God speaks to us as this year progresses and he asks us to give like we've never had to give before, like we said last week, whether it's a word or finances or whether it's praying for somebody or whatever that might be, as he asks us to do that, we don't have a thought that says, well, what's going to happen to me if I do? Why? Because I, I am following after God and if he has put that in my heart, then that's a priority for me. When God speaks into your heart to give something, maybe it's in an offering, that becomes a priority in your life because he spoke that to you. Now, he leads us and guides us, and his timing is perfect, and we trust him. But in every situation you face this year, I want to encourage you, there is a wise thing to do. The wise thing is the thing that God would have us do. I think I'm smart. You think you're smart. I think many times I have the answers. You think many times you have the answers. There are a lot of times I'm on autopilot because I've done this a million times and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do. But I think in our world today, as we continue and as we purpose in our heart to change and to grow and to become all God wants us to be, we have to take ourselves back off autopilot and we have to begin to follow him. Just because you did it that way yesterday doesn't mean that you're going to do it that way today. Just because God did that yesterday that way doesn't mean that god's going to ask you to do it again that way today he doesn't change yesterday today and forever he's always going to be the same but he did ask moses one time to hit the rock to bring water and then he asked him the next time to speak to the rock to bring water moses used the stick both times and he got in trouble because god changed what he asked him to do and our life, as God leads us and as he guides us in this year, we have to make sure that we make the wise decision. We have to make sure that we prioritize his word, his leading by the Holy Spirit. And we have to make sure that we prioritize our obedience to that word. See, we can have, we can have a priority that says, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to listen to what you have today. I'm going, to, I'm going to allow you to lead me and guide me. But then when he asks you and you don't do it, then you've unprioritized all of those things. I don't care if you read the Bible through 14 times in the year. I don't care if you wake up every morning and you read 47 chapters. You read a book. You read a book every day. That doesn't make any difference. If we don't prioritize our obedience in that, then we're in trouble. So today we're going to talk just a little bit about this wonderful topic, self-discipline. 
I think Joyce Meyer wrote a book that said something like how to be extremely and abundantly blessed. And then it was all about self-discipline because nobody will buy a book on self-discipline. But everybody will buy a book on being exceedingly and abundantly blessed. Now, I will tell you the key to being exceedingly and abundantly blessed is to, is to be obedient. And, and obedience takes self-discipline in our life. That doesn't mean somebody else has disciplined me. That means I'm disciplining me. It's so much easier when we're children, I think, because our parents tell us what to do. And if we're obedient, we're blessed. We don't have to make a lot of decisions as young people. Now, as you grow and as you mature as a young person, you make more decisions. And that's in training your young people to be adults so that they make good decisions, so they understand the idea of authority, so that they understand the blessing that comes along with that obedience, so that when they become mature adults, they can be obedient not to you but to the word and to what God is speaking and what he's sharing. But there's a wise decision that each of us have to make, and it doesn't get determined by what you see with your eyes. It doesn't get determined by the pressure that you feel in the situation in which you're in. It's determined by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. In John, in chapter 11, and we shared about Lazarus as we talked about uh, on the week before Christmas. We talked about life and Jesus being the resurrection and the life. But in John, in chapter 11, in the first particular verse, he goes through and he begins to talk. And Lazarus has, has died. And it says, now, now a certain man was sick. That was Lazarus of Bethany. The ta- and, and Mary and Martha were there. And it was, it was that Mary who anointed, it says, the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We all know that he died as as the story progressed, and he tried to encourage the disciples, and they still were confused by the things that he was saying. But it says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha, and he loved her sister, and he loved Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, this speaks to our time management, and this speaks to situations as they cry out to us. The Lord will determine. Now, I'm telling you, sometimes somebody's sick, you run to the hospital and you pray because God's leading you to go do that. There's not a lot of thinking that has somebody sick in the hospital, you're driving around town, drive by, pray for them, and move on. But ask the Spirit of God as you go what you should say, what you should speak. Jesus, in this particular instance, as he was sitting here, this was somebody that he, he talks about Mary and John talks about Martha and he talks about Lazarus in these first few passages here of chapter 11. Why? Because he wants us to realize and understand they weren't just people who were walking around who he didn't know. It wasn't just some guy somewhere. It just wasn't some person somewhere. These, it says, were people that he loved. He cared about them. He knew them. See, he, he, was, he was on a, a one-name one relationship with these people. He could talk to them. They would talk to him. These were folks who were kind of close to him. And it says that Lazarus was dying. So many of us would definitely pack up. And I'm not saying that if somebody calls you and says they're dying, say, I'm not coming. But Jesus spent two more days there. Why? Because in John 6, if you look in John 6, chapter 38, she's going to put it on the screen. It says that Jesus came, he came down from heaven not to do his own will, but the will of what? Him who sent him. So in that particular moment, in that particular time, God had something for him in that place for a couple more days because he said he waited there for a couple more days before he went. So there were things that were going on at that time. There were situations that were happening in that moment that were more important. Now here's the deal. Don't get upset. See, as he was going that direction, and as he left after two days, they said that, that Lazarus was dead, and he tried to tell the disciples, that's not true. There's a whole plan in this. There's a whole procedure in this, and that the power of life and resurrection of life is in my hands. This is Jesus. And as I go into that place, he's not dead. I'll call him back to life. 
that if you will follow the things that God's asking you to do today, he will take care of the things that you face tomorrow. But you have to determine what determines your actions. Is it the thing that's crying out the loudest? For me, I usually procrastinate so much, I don't get a choice in prioritizing because I've let all of those things go and there's a fire all around me. I taught this with young people all the time. I would see it in high schoolers constantly. And I spoke to it, but I didn't do any of it. It was real simple. They're firemen. When they become high schoolers, we're trying to teach them not math, not science, not all of those things necessarily. We're trying to teach them how to learn, how to handle responsibility, how to multitask, how to have all of these different opportunities and all these things going around, how to be successful. And that's why they have eight classes. They go to eight different classes every day. Part of it is so that they can learn to manage their time, schedule what's going on, prioritize their life, and do all of these things. Most of them don't get that, don't understand that, and they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They spend three days studying for your test and preparing for your project while they ignore everything else that's going on in their life. Isn't that right, Julia, Lance? I mean, you know how it is. So for that moment, they're really on top of what's going on. But then for the next three weeks, they're not going to listen to a thing you say because they're preparing for their science test. And then they're going to be preparing for their social studies thing. Then they're going to be preparing for the project for Julia. And then they're going to be doing... See, they go through and they do all... They never pay any attention to what's going on. They never learn to manage their time. They're always running around putting out fires. And you may be saying, that's my life. You may, that may, you may be saying that today. Like, yeah, yeah that's me. Help me. <laughs> that's, I, I do that. Don't do that. There you go, that's your help. That's what I tell them. Don't do that. <laughs> I'll tell you this. If you don't allow those things to determine and dictate what you do, if you allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to determine and dictate what you do and how you live your life, He will tell you how to plan. It says He knows those things. Like I said earlier in John 16, 13, He knows those things that are to come, and He's going to tell you about them so He can help you prepare beforehand before they come. But you have to be listening. It doesn't make any sense to prioritize something that's not happening at the moment. When God asks you to do something, he's leading you to prepare for something. He's asking you to save over here for something. And you look at all your bills and all the stuff that's going on right here. And you're thinking, now that doesn't make any sense. Why would I be putting money away for this over here when I've got all these bills over here? And you begin to try to take care of all of this. And then all of a sudden a tire goes out and you're like, oh, now what am I going to do? And God just, I'm sure he's sitting there sometimes thinking, well, if you would have just put away 10 bucks a week like I asked you to for six weeks, you would have had your tire. And then we come crying to God and saying, oh, help me. Not help me because I'm in trouble. That's what we think. Really, truly what we're saying to him is, help me, and I've been horribly disobedient. <laughs> Not very many applauses or amens on that one, is there? But that, but that really truly is what we're saying. See, because we have decided that the things that I face are more desirable or more important than what God is speaking to me to do. Now, please pay your bills. Don't call your creditors and say, Pastor John said, I don't have to pay my bills. God didn't tell me to pay the visa today, so I'm not paying it. Um, You've got to really be led by the Spirit. That's like number one here. You've got to make sure. But look at this in Luke, and we talked about it just a, a touch last week. Luke in chapter 12. Really, it, it's in Matthew. We talk about it in Matthew chapter 6 as well. But in Luke in chapter 12, it's Jesus, and he was speaking, and he says, He said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body what you will put on. Life is more than food. Is life not more than food? And the body is more than clothing. 
And then if you go to verse 31, it says, but seek first. And this one says, seek the kingdom of God and you'll have all these things. But it says in, in, in Matthew in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. And if you actually look in, in, in Matthew, in chapter 6, he says, do not worry. And that word worry is very similar and very close to that other word that we talk about all the time in 1 Peter chapter 5 that says care. They're words that fall right next to each other. One is marim no, that's the cares. One is marim na'o, that is worry. And they all become like lumped together. See, if you cast your care, that means you're not going to worry. So we can't say, oh, I've cast that care, but then I'm going to worry about it on the other side. And that's what happens. I want to prioritize my life. I want to do what God asks me to do. I want to follow him in every area. I want to follow him financially in my giving. I want to trust him with my health. I want to trust him with peace of mind. I want to trust him with my relationships and with my family. But when he asks me to do something that I can't figure out, when he asks me to do something or to step out in an area where there is no solid ground that I can see, when he asks me to do something that I'm not sure really is the way to go, I begin to balk, but I want to cast that care on him to take care of the situation, yet I'm walking away and I'm carrying that worry. In Luke in chapter 10, Martha and Mary, again, they were the ones who were the friends of Jesus, right? They were the ones who were with their Lazarus sisters. But the, Jesus was sitting with them. And if you go through and, and, you, and you know this story, we've, we've preached it and taught about it for years in this church. As you prepare, as you prioritize, and as you give Jesus your total focus, and he leads you and guides you in this year, there are going to come things that will distract you. That distraction that's sitting here with Mary and Martha, as you go back and read that in Luke, that same distraction is related to that word that says worry, which is related to that word that says care. They're all there together. And Jesus says, you're worried, you're troubled, you're, discur- you're distracted. And really, in our life, what is it? Are we the cook or are we at his feet? Are we the cleaner or are we at his feet? Now, please cook and clean. I'm not saying don't do that. But listen, there's a priority that goes with this, that when Jesus is in the moment and he's in the midst and he's in that place, then we pay attention to what he's saying and what he's speaking and what he's telling us. See, many times... We come into church, we come into a place where we've, why did you come to church today? To hear from God, to worship God with your giving, with, with praise, with worship, with all those things, but to be a part of what God's doing in this place, to sit in his presence, to come together with the people whom you love and we'll sit together as a family and we'll hear what God is speaking and what he's sharing and what he's showing us. See, so when we're in this place, we're, we're, we're all paying attention, everybody looking at me, not too many asleep today. But see, there's many times where we're sitting here and we're in this place and we're making a list of the things that we have to do today. Oh, I don't want to forget that. I need, I need to get this at the grocery store. And then before you know it, you've filled out your grocery list. Before you know it, you, you, you've got all your stuff to do for the week already taken care of and already done. And then you leave and you shake Pastor Bill's hand or Pastor Pam's, you shake my hand and say, great message today. That was really good and inspired me to get my grocery list together. <laughs> And I'm not saying I'm, I'm Jesus, but, but we come here to hear from God. And as we come into this place, we're not distracted. We're not worried. There aren't those cares. Why? Because we're listening to what he's speaking and what he's saying. Well, as we go and as we leave this place, realize that these hour, hour and a half that we spend together is a very small portion of your week. You need to be sitting at his feet a whole lot more than you do here. Then we need to be spending that time with him. 
You know, that's why it says Matthew chapter 7, 7, ask, seek, and knock. I mean, there's a reason why that's there, because we're going to have questions. We're going to need his answers. We're not going to be sure what to do tomorrow. And he's going to be able to list our day, and he's going to be able to help us find out. And when we face those decisions, and when we face those things, he's going to help us make the right choices and the right decisions. I, I, have, I have proven out time and time again, I'm not the greatest decision maker in my own strength. I get double-minded very quickly. We used to drive all over town to save 37 cents. And it wasn't because we wanted to get the best deal. It was because we were fearful we wouldn't. And so we acted out of fear in that time and in that place, driving all over town. And really, truly, we'd save like a dollar. But we'd spend $18 in gas doing it. So we wouldn't make a decision even though maybe we feel like this is God and he's showing us to do this and, we, and this, this, I think this is what we're supposed to do, but we hedge our bets and we hold back and we say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, if you're going out to buy a pack of gum, that's, you know, you're going out to buy a pack of gum. I, I, you know, I guess stand there and ask God what pack of gum is it, beech nut or whatever you're going to chew, I don't know. Is there even beech nut anymore? Probably not any. Again, old, old guy reference. But, you know, whatever it might be, you know, with orbits or, you know, whatever you might want. But we face decisions and we face stuff in our life where, we, where, where you feel that pressure. See, we, we feel that stress. We feel those things coming on us. But in that moment, how do we release all that stuff? Pray. It says, seek peace. Well, who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus. So as you're in that moment and you're in that time, pray. Allow God to speak to you. He'll begin to help you prioritize your life. Colossians 3.1 says, seek those things that are above where he is. We like to think, think all those things that are around us are the things that we're seeking and looking after. Responsibilities are great, but God will help you in those responsibilities. He'll prioritize your time. He'll prioritize your finances. He'll prior, you want to you save more money this year than you did last year? Listen to God. You want to live healthier than you ever did last year? Listen to God. Because he cares about your health. He cares about your finances. If you want your relationships to be different than they were last year, listen to God. Sit at his feet, hear what he has to say, because he will begin to speak to you and he'll begin to show you those things because he cares about you, he cares about the things you care about, and he cares about your relationships. And then here's the deal with all of those things, whether it's finances and health and relationships or whatever it might be in your life, whether it's education or your job or wherever you are or find yourself, as he speaks to us and as he shows us those things, we have to be obedient. Isaiah 119 says the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. Not just those who hear, not just those who sit at his feet, not just those who read through the Bible eight times, not just those who, it's not those people who were at church every day and signed the list and it went down the thing and they were, they were present every service. It, it's not those people who went to the Joyce Meyer conference. It's the people who are willing and obedient who eat the good of the land. And as we start at the beginning of the year, we might as well get it over with. We need to be more obedient this year than we were last year. I mean, it's January 8th. We might as well throw it out there. We've got 50 more Sundays to go. <laughs> You'll like me before the end. Get 50 to try to earn my way back to you. But it, listen, it's important. Mark in chapter 4, we read about this. We have to get rid of the care. We have to get rid of the distractions. We can't be people who worry all the time. One of my friends was, was, was tweeting yesterday and just said, really, the, the body of Christ has to stop worrying about all of these things that are going on. 
worrying about the stuff that's happening to them, worrying about the things that are going on, and I'm adding to it because there's only 140 letters that he can type. But it was this idea that says the body of Christ is a big worry wart many times. Yet we have the greatest caregiver, and we have the, the, the one who has an abundance of grace to help us in our time of need. We have the God who, who is the, the king of all kings who loves us and cares about us, each one of us. If we will just rely and live in his grace, in his goodness, in his mercy, if we'll allow him to make the difference where we can't, then there's no reason for us to worry about all those things, and you'll begin to enjoy your life again. The church has been worried out of joy. And I hear it a lot when I hear people talk about things that are going on in the world today. I hear it, and I know you face things, and I know situations are tough, but we have to realize we serve a God who is tougher than the things that we face. In, Ma- in Mark, in chapter 4, it's the story of, the, of the, the parable of the sower. And in verse 7, it says, And some seed fell along, along, among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. He turns the page here in my Bible, and in verse 18 and 19, Jesus is beginning to, ex- to expound on that particular part of that parable. And he says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. That's us. But the cares of this world, see that word again. It's the same thing. The cares of this world, it says. The deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. And we think, well, I'm not worried about riches and I'm not worried about other things. But go back to the first part. There were three things there. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Don't forget about that thing. See, because what, what the, the deceitfulness of riches, I think many times they mean, I'm giving like God asked me to give. Fantastic. But in this other area over here, you're carrying worry about your children. You're carrying worry about your spouse. You're carrying worry about your job. Somewhere along the way, we're carrying that thing. It says, the cares, it says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things will enter in and begin to choke the word and begin to make it unfruitful in your life. I mean, it begins to choke the life out of the very word that began to breathe life into you. How about that? See, the word comes and it brings life, brings life in you. And we talked about it in December, about life being poured out through you. But if you take the cares of this world upon you, it'll begin to choke out, it says, that word. It'll begin to choke out the very life-giving force. That's why many times we find ourselves, I, I suppose we'd say, a little bit destitute. You can see it on people's faces when you talk to them. Maybe they used to be the happiest person you know. Maybe you went to them because they perked you up. Maybe they were the ones who kind of gave you a little bit of joy and a little bit of burst. And now all of a sudden, they're the most downtrodden thing that you've seen. Somewhere along the line, they've taken a care, or two, or three. It doesn't need to be a whole carload. It doesn't need to be a dump truck full of care. It just needs to be one. Because it says if you'll take these cares upon yourself, it'll begin to choke out the life that is on the, very in- the inside of you. But it says that if we focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we will begin to, instead of having death, have life. That it will change. There'll be a, there'll be a, there'll be a, a new focus in our life which brings a new life to us. It won't be this idea that I'm, I'm concentrating on the stuff that's going on around me. I'm focused on Jesus. That's what we want. That's why when we come in here and we can just let it all go, see, we're totally focused on him. We're not worried about all the things that we came in with. Many times when we begin to worship or we begin to praise, you know, whoever that particular person is in that moment might even say, you know what, just lift up your, can- your hands and cast all your cares on him. Why? Because it's difficult to praise and worship God when you're carrying a load. But if we can learn to prioritize our life, part of that is giving the cares, of course. But it's about following after him and the things that he has for us to do. And what we learn is, I can't do anything about that anyway. How many times have you worried about something and you couldn't do anything about it? 
How many times have you worried about something and it never happens? See, think about last year. Go back in that whole year. Think about the things maybe that you look back on now and you think, man, I spent a lot of time on that. Not like time working on it, but time worrying about it. Time stressing over it. See, your health is affected because of stress. Your health, health is affected because you carry cares. Now, I mean, think about that year. Now, we've, we've turned the page on that year. And how many of you just go like, woo? Well, it hasn't changed. Just the calendar has changed. None of that stuff has gone away. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says really truly, in Proverbs 3 and chapter 4, we're going to look at both of those here for just a second. But we talk about focus, and I'm telling you that if you will not focus on your problems, but you'll focus on Jesus, if we will not prioritize the stuff that we got going on today and the things that we think are important and prioritize on his will for our life, what he's showing us, what he's leading us to do every day, I, am, I promise you that things will change. I promise you that the situations that you're going through, God will begin to work through you in them. He'll begin to make a difference in them because it says in Proverbs 3, chapter 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In verse 6, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's us putting his word, us putting his spirit as a priority in our life. And as we do that, then he will begin to direct our paths. How many of us believe that God will lead us astray? See, we know he won't lead us astray. We just don't like where he's leading us. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> Small chuckles. Okay, I'll give in. <laughs> See, we know he's not going to. Is he going to lead you wrong? No. I mean, do you think your parents would have done something to you on purpose to hurt you? No. You just didn't like your curfew. You just didn't want to be home at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. It's not that they're trying to do anything bad. They're trying to help you. They're trying to protect you. But we just don't like that. And so we see that as bad. Well, that's not bad. See, we want to ask God for direction, I think. But many times, we don't like the direction that we get. It says, and if you turn over to chapter 4, in verse 20, it says, now, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are what? Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, here's the situation with Peter as he was, he was in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water. There was storm raging. The waters and the waves were boisterous. And he said to Jesus, hey, if that's you, if that's really you, then bid me come. And he said, come on out here in the water, Peter. So he got out in the water. He began to walk on the water. But then when he saw, when it says when he took his eyes off of Jesus, when he saw the boisterous waves and all the things going around, when you saw that all of a sudden the bottom fell out in the economy, then you begin to think, well, I don't know if I should give. Maybe I should just hold all this back. I don't know how, what I should do. No, you should give the way that God leads you and guides you. That's why it's important as Pastor Pam comes up, begins to talk about the offering, he says, let's pray beforehand that we begin to open up our heart and say, okay, God, what would you have me to do? Why? Because we want to be led by his spirit. Because he told Peter when he took his eyes off him and got him on the water, he said, ye of little faith. As we take our eyes financially off of the word of God, what he's asking us by his Holy Spirit to do, we begin to put them in our own wisdom, or we begin to put them in the wisdom of the people who are running the world today, which is not a great place, many of you would agree. As you begin to put your wisdom in those things, you are actually setting yourself up for a ye of little faith moment. It doesn't say in the word of God, follow me and listen to me as far as your giving is concerned until the economy falters. Then do whatever you think is best. 
doesn't say that. I haven't found that anywhere. He, do, he doesn't say, store up as much as you possibly can and don't give. The time we read about that was really truly with, with Joshua or with, uh, with uh, Joseph and his dream. And he said, there's going to be three years of famine, so seven years of famine, so store up all you can in the storehouse so that you have enough to make it. Now, if God speaks that to you, fantastic, but you just don't do it on your own. It actually says the king who thought that up on his own in the New Testament said the king said, man, I've got all this stuff. I need to tear down my old barns, build bigger barns so I have more room to store all my stuff. Called him foolish, calls him lazy, calls him wicked. He wasn't led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit in everything that you do. I will tell you this. If you be led by the Spirit in everything that you do, you won't have a problem with self-discipline. You won't have a problem with self-control. Why? Because if you're being led by the Spirit, the fruits that come from those seeds are the fruit of the Spirit. And self-control or self-discipline is one of the fruits. Love, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. See, because we all struggle with that. But you don't struggle with self-control when you're being led by the Spirit. You struggle with self-control when you're led by the flesh. You can't be dealing with self-control and those issues and having problems there and not doing well. See, you can't be doing that and be walking in the Spirit at the same time because walking in the Spirit produces self-control. It produces self-discipline in our life. We don't like that word. We don't like the message that says, well, I have problems. Well, then you're not walking in the spirit. Well, don't tell me that. I won't have self-control when I punch you in the head. (laughs) I need patience because I'm going to kill you. I mean, it says so. It says those who walk in the spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because you're walking in the spirit. We, We choose that. He has it for us, but we choose to walk in it. Now, real, real quick here, just, just three things, just real, three simple things for us to do as we want to prioritize our life, as we want to look to, you know, this new situation that's coming in 2012. When, when you're walking in the Spirit, you don't have problems with all of those other issues. It's when you're walking in the flesh. I don't have problems when I, when I, am, when I am exercising and eating right. I don't have problems with blizzards. I don't whip through a quart of ice cream in a day. I don't have problems. Why? Because I'm doing the right stuff. See, when I'm not doing the right stuff, I am an absolute train wreck when it comes to the way that I eat. If I stop working out and and it's over and, you know, I know that's not happening for a while, I I, I just, I I don't even think about it. Well, of course I'm going to have a blizzard. I might have too. And I'll have fries with it and, you know, whatever else. I mean, I, I, why? Because I'm not doing any good anywhere else, so it's just going to be like havoc as you go. But when you're, when, you're, when you're eating right and when you're finely tuned and you're exercising and everything's going the right way, after I've lost 25 pounds, I don't even want to smell a blizzard because I have worked very hard to get to this point. As you're walking in the Spirit and following what God asks you to do, you're, you're not necessarily so tempted to delve off into the crazy because you're following His plan for your life, and He's beginning to hone you into a finely tuned machine. What we have to learn to do is be honed. Be honed. If the new year is a great time to join the gym and eat right, well, then it's a great time to start reading the Word and living by faith every moment of every day. 
If you want to say that this is going to be a better year health-wise in your body and in your life, then you're going to exercise and eat right and all those things that we all write down at the beginning of the year. Then add to that and make it a part of that. Your spiritual walk is going to change as well. That we're going to spend more time, maybe not just more time reading the Word, but more time paying attention to what He's speaking to us. Maybe more time during the day listening as He's leading us and guiding us in those decisions that we have to make. And the first key really truly to to developing a little self-discipline and allowing your life to be prioritized is start with you. We want to start with everybody else in our home. We want to start with our kids because we have control over them for the most part. We want to tell them how it is and this is a new year and this is what you're going to do. We want to start with our spouse. We want to start with our friends. You can already list five things that your spouse needs to do different this year. Right off the top of your head, you know them. I mean, I can pull you. You can tell me five things that would make their life better. It's not about them. It's about you. (laughs) You guys good? (laughs) Matthew 25, Pastor Pam said it a few minutes ago. We're stewards of the things that God has given us. He didn't get positive feedback, and they didn't get negative feedback because of what the other person did. They got positive feedback or negative feedback in that parable because of what they did or what they didn't do. The good stewards, they took what they had, they used it, they gained back, and it was well done, my good and faithful servant. The one steward who didn't and decided to do whatever they wanted to with it and hid it because of, they, because of fear, then that particular person said, you slothful and lazy servant, you no good little, you know. So, I mean, it wasn't because the other person did well that you got the bonus. It was because you did well that you got the bonus. But on the other side, you didn't get the lack because somebody else lacked. So start with you. You're the only person you really truly have control of in prioritizing your life, in disciplining yourself. It's called self-discipline for a reason. Don't say, well, I'm going to get up in the morning and do all these things that God's asked me to do, and they get mad at your spouse because they don't get up with you. Talking to you. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just because God told you to do it. See, when you get mad, that means usually that God told you to do it too. But you want to you you be right. God's speaking to you. The second thing, start with you. The second thing is start small. If you're like me, man, I got a thousand things to change. I won't change any of them. But if I got one thing to change, there's a chance. If, I, if, I, if I've got to get it all straight, see, I mean, it's, it's like that, it's the, the diet thing. If I've got to get it all right, just stop eating blizzards once. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might be good. Really, if I cut out my blizzard intake over the year, I'd probably save like 10,000 calories and lose five pounds. I mean, I, if I just cut out one blizzard a week. Right? I mean, just, just it's, God's telling you something. Mountains seem, they seem totally uh, insurmountable when you look at them. But after you've taken the 10,000 steps and you're standing on the top of it, one step at a time, you realize that with God, all things are possible. With man, it says, it could be or should be and might be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But you've got to start somewhere. 
It won't change overnight. Things won't happen. You decide that this is the year you're finally going to start tithing and finally going to start giving. This is the year that you're going to change the finances in your family and in your house. This is the year you're going to get out of debt. This is the year things are going to change. That's what we all say on January 1, man, as we lead up to it. We'll just rip through Christmas because, man, January is going to come and we're going to change. Things are going to be different this year than they were last year. Then you better be open to God doing some different stuff in your life and asking you to be obedient. It's like that word that he spoke and shared with us all those years ago. Give the way I tell you to give and live within your means. 2012 can be the most prosperous and financial year in the midst of financial destruction in the world today if we'll just listen to God, prioritize what he says. Take the things that he says are a priority in our life. Financially, I'm talking finances now. I don't usually do that. But I am telling you, I am promising you, If you will do that, God will be faithful to his word. And this isn't a story about my son or anything else, as Pastor Pam talked about him in that car. But I am telling you, this week we sat down and wrote, and you followed this story from the beginning until the end. We sat down and wrote the last $5,000 check. Woo! Praise God, that kid is off. He's out. He's paid for. (laughs) But it isn't about that. $5,116. I took a picture of all eight. Not because of me, but because, God, I don't know how you did it, but you were faithful to a word that you gave us six years ago that said you will make a way where there seems to be no way. You'll put a road in the wilderness, and I don't have anything else to stand on, God. I can't go get another job. But you can give I can do that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what God's speaking to you and what he's showing you, but I do know this. Take his word because God's faithful. He's faithful to his word. As you begin to prioritize your day, find out, like we talked about, what that manna is. And now as we move into this next year, begin to go out and then begin to give it that day to somebody else who's around you. Because I know, like the widow, if you will give to God first the way that he leads you, the way that he guides you, the way that he shows you, you will never run dry and you will never run out. But if you hoard up and if you store up or if you're afraid, if you don't give the way he asks you to give and instead try to pay off the things that you feel like are important to pay off, we need to pay off our bills. But I am telling you, first and foremost in your life financially, you had better be, we had better be in this church. You had better be as people who make up this church, giving the way that God told you and the way that he, he spoke to you to give. Because if not, that is, that is a ye of little faith moment. And that didn't go well for them. I didn't see any of those instances where ye of little faith, where they made it. Peter didn't look away off Jesus and begin to do, walk faster on the water and all of a sudden stayed up. He looked away from Jesus and he began to sink. He couldn't do anything in that place. Start small. Start with something. Do something. Determine what needs to change and change it. And the third thing, it's January 8th. Start now. Start with you. Start with something small. Do something. But start now. Don't begin now to make a plan how you're going to change it and how it's going to be fixed as you come into February or March because before you know it, it's going to be June. And God will have wanted to do something in your life from January to June and we have squandered it or procrastinated it and washed it away. Start now. Start today. 
I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that God has for you in your life in that place. But I will promise you this. The procrastination truly will keep your ship from sailing into your destiny. Procrastination is the anchor on your ship of destiny. It will keep it in the harbor and you will never see it. If you don't pull that thing up and begin to sail, you'll never go anywhere. But you'll always have dreams. I'll tell you this, the sun will continue to rise in the east and the sun will continue to set in the west and you'll watch days come and you'll watch days go and the devil will allow you to dream all you want because you're not going to act on one part of it or one piece of it. And if you won't act on it, he'll allow you to dream all you want because dreaming those dreams and never acting on the things that God promises you or asks you to do will keep you in discouragement and dissatisfaction with your life. It'll get you all upset. You'll begin to have cares. You'll begin to have worries. You begin to take your focus off of Jesus. You begin on all your situations, all your things, all the stuff that's not going right, all the things that haven't happened yet. All of a sudden, your 2012 will be worse than 2011. Simply because I decided I'd do it tomorrow and not today. It goes right back to Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 10. He said, don't worry about when? Tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Worry about today take care of today deal with today start with you start small but start when today start now and allow God to change you piece by piece step by step moment by moment you'll be standing on the mountain before you know it amen let's stand up together we hope you've been encouraged strengthened and challenged in your walk with Jesus If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.